In this episode, you're going to meet Mario Chamorro, the CEO of Oye, a next-generation creative wellness platform for Latinx and Gen Z youth, also founded by none other than J Balvin. It's no secret that I am obsessed with mental health, I am a Latinx, and I think creativity is the way we can all heal and understand our biggest pains. Mario talks about that and so much more. I'm Vivian, this is Happy to Be Here, and here's my conversation with my fellow happiness advocate, Mario Chamorro. I'm so excited to be on this episode of Happy to Be Here with a fellow happy adjective lover, which is really exciting. I'm here with Mario, who's going to tell us a little bit about what they're building out at Oye, which is a platform specifically geared towards mental well-being within the Latino community in a bilingual way, which I think is just magic. So I'd love for you to kind of take it from there and tell me a little bit more about who you are, how you got here, and what y'all are building. Hola, Vivian. Um Again, uh, very happy to be here. Uh, as you said, uh, we're building Oye, and Oye in Spanish means listen, but also pay attention. And it's pay attention to your emotional wellness and to your uh, wellness in general. We call it creative wellness. So Oye is a next generation creative wellness platform that we have been building for Latinx and Gen Zs. Uh, to help them to learn how to feel better and to get better at feeling through mind, body, and social content. So this is a little bit about Oye. Again, uh, Desmond Tutu used to say that the best uh, way to solve all the problems in the world was just by listening. So mm -hmm. our name is ingrained on listening to our mind, to our body, and to our people, and to our emotions. It's really cool because... I've always found it magical. I'm also bilingual and I've always found it magic how there are so many amazing words in Spanish that have double meanings that in English you would need so many other words to just encapsulate the one feeling. And I feel like that's what you guys are really building, especially in a conversation that's so often taboo and not spoken of, which is like mental health within the community. Absolutely. Uh, Oye started as a, as a response from the growing concerns around mental health and the different challenges with depression and anxiety especially on the Latinx community and also on the global Jewish community that have been struggling with all those challenges, especially during the pandemic and after the pandemic. So we, from Oye, we have been bringing together the, some of the best mental and emotional wellness practitioners from all across Latin America and Latinx in the U.S., from very different practices. Uh, for instance, we do have a shaman from Mexico. We have a sexual therapist. We do have a voice therapist. We have a, we also have a really interesting uh, class called Perreo for Healing. <laughs> and Perreo for Healing is that you can shake your emotions, you know, and transform those mm -hmm. emotions into creative energy. So that's why we call it creative energy, uh, creative wellness, because once you understand your emotions, once you feel your emotions, you can canalize those emotions into creative energy. And by canalizing that into creative energy, you can shape your future. So that's a big part of the hypothesis. And we do believe that every, every human being is an artist and every artist is a healer and every healer is an artist. So we all have the potential mm -hmm. to learn that. So once you learned about your emotion, that became your own superpowers that you can use to unleash your own creative self, your creative being, and that can help you to shape your future. And creativity, I have studied it as well and written so much about it from the perspective of it being just so healing and connecting. Like 
you guys use on your website the word embodiment so often. And that is such a key phrase, I think, to both one of the bigger hard parts and great parts of navigating your mental wellness, which is like actually being in your body long enough to feel the emotions or to feel safe within that space or to use it as energy to create something beautiful on the other end of what can be very painful. How have you found that using really colloquial, natural to the community phrases like burial, right? Or create, or going to healers as the traditional form of like a lot of our cultures would turn to, how has that actually helped impact how you are molding the conversations around mental well-being? Sure. So at the very beginning of Oye, we we ran around like more than 400 interviews across Latin America and Latinos in the U.S. Uh, we spoke with people from in Argentina, in Peru, uh, Colombia, Mexico, and also in L.A., Miami, and New York. So we found three main things. The first one uh, was a very large stigma um, towards mental health. The second one was a very low trust. Um, about the resources that were available. And the third one uh, was that uh, most of those resources were crafted for uh, an American population, uh, but not for like uh, the Latinx. So we're using a Latin American first approach. So that's why we develop our app uh, completely bilingual in Spanish and English, where we have been curated uh, wellness guides uh, that we know we call them guias from different practices and putting them together um, again to, to have different practices uh, so people can have access to, to these different tools of personal growth. And by doing that, we believe uh, one of the things that we listen, again, we name Soye. So um, the, one of the things we listen to is, hey, I am different. And in this moment, I do need something extremely different than what it helps for Vivian, probably is different what Mario needs right now. So that's where we are trying just a more holistic uh, uh, approach um, that can help to different parts of uh, our lives it's it's so cool too because it's not only bilingual i feel like in language which it definitely is but it's also um this very nuanced bicultural almost just deeply ingrained understanding of what it's like in america specifically to live or anywhere i think to live as a first generation outside of our parents right and like how they saw mental wellness and mental health and what they thought about it and these new definitions that we are taking but then also just how we can mix up like you mentioned the traditional formats which may be therapy or something more quote-unquote traditional quote-unquote American um, with healers and with the more deeply ingrained cultural ways of finding peace within ourselves then that's really cool to see how that all comes together. Because I think even when I started my mental health journey, I felt like the only way I was going to be able to find peace was if I only adopted the American way, quote unquote, of finding that peace. But that's because that was a, what felt like the only thing available to me. But it also feels so at odds sometimes with how my family perceives mental health. And I think I, I was very lucky in finding a Latina therapist which made all the difference because there were so many nuances that I didn't have to explain mm. that she just understood because she understood the culture. Yeah, I'm fully aligned on that. Uh, Vivian, uh, I experienced something very similar. I have been mm -hmm. 
living uh, for almost 19 years in the U.S. and uh, but still, like sometimes when I'm in the U.S., I feel too Latino to be in the U.S. and when, mm-hmm. I, when I'm in Latin America, I feel like too American to be in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Um, but when and in this particular uh, path of personal growth, uh, you know, like the cultural background that we have, uh, it makes a lot of sense for us to discover things mm-hmm. that are uh, that are important to us and can help us to to awake our conscious and just to learn more about uh, anything that we need to, to, to learn in order to kind of like to keep uh, moving along our path. So um, mm-hmm. when we bring, when we have together, um, I mean, right now, just um, to give you one example. So my dad, uh, the reason because I'm in my hometown right now is because my dad mm-hmm. got a, a brain stroke uh, about a month ago and, you know, like emotions such as, uh, He's 83 years old, so emotions such mm-hmm. as sadness, helpness, uh, frustration, anger, all of those mm-hmm. overwhelming uh, are coming to my head and my heart. Um, so I start using like some of this uh, guias from Moye and very different approaches. Uh, so for instance, I start working mm-hmm. with a shaman um, from my hometown, but also I start working with a guy who does constellations, but I also start working with a somatic therapist as well. So from all those approaches, I've been receiving different messages. And uh, basically what I've been doing is uh, using this very tough situation in my life because my dad is my favorite person in my life and to transform Mm -hmm. all these emotions that I mentioned into something uh, more creative, such as, okay, what are the main things that uh, my dad... uh, has been teaching me over the past 42 years. Mm-hmm. And one of them is love. The second one is joy. And the third one is uh, just being playful with life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started uh, crafting a couple of uh, like the like different ideas and projects to celebrate his life. And that mm-hmm. has been helping me to first to understand, second to learn, and three, just kind of like to heal. Um, so again, it's... Uh, yeah, I think kind of like the cultural part that you mentioned, Vivian, uh, is, mm-hmm. is extremely important. And having access to different practices is also is very valuable as well. That's so beautiful. And, and I thank you for sharing that within this space too. And it's so important to elevate the fact that, you know, for so many of us, our pain and our beauty and like the happy moments come from the people around us. And how they impact us because we don't exist in a silo. And being able to, like you said, kind of take a little bit of everything of the ways that you're healing and turn it into one single thing is beautiful. And it's amazing and it's such a gift. Um, And I know you guys are inviting other creators to kind of participate in how they are going to be able to shape what Oye is doing and tell those stories. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how you're creating that space for other creators to also continuously help build up the storytelling platform aspect. Sure. So at Oye, we are building a community to help the world to feel better. And Vivian, now you're part of this community. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> thank we can you. <laughs> thank you. So we are uh, we are aware that we cannot do this by ourselves. Um, so we created this program called Oye Creators. Uh, and again, I we believe every artist is a healer. Every healer is an artist. And 
there are so many ways to be creative, right? You can be a coder, you can be a TikToker, you can be, um, you can be uh, an artist. Uh, and so we're inviting all this community of creators uh, to help them to express their emotions. And uh, by doing that, we are crafting all this content that uh, we are going to be sharing with the world uh, starting on September 20. Again, one very clear example of that is um, this group of uh, Afro-Colombians. Uh, they are called mulatas, and uh, they have this practice called perreo for healing, which they're using reggaeton to shake their emotions mm -hmm. and to shake shame and to shake guilt and just kind of like to uh, feel empowered. So uh, that's part of the Oye Creators. We also work with um, with uh, with an amazing woman. Her name is, uh, she's Gen Z in Mexico. Her name is Marbelle. She has a podcast called Afro Chingonas. And, um, and uh, she, she is speaking at Oye about uh, how she deals with bullying and how she deals with other, um, challenges that she's facing among her in mm -hmm. her generation so that's the part of the OJ creators that we're inviting uh people from different practices to share them at OJ and to express how they canalize their emotions and to transform that into creative energy how did you guys end up at this both you as a person um through your career how did you end up being the ceo of this company but also what were the impetus that was like, we need to start making a change and how the Latino community sits with mental wellness and how they heal? Mm, so everything I believe it started uh, with the financial crisis in 2009. I used to work on Wall Street in New York and then I lost everything. So I ended up uh, moving to Boston and having um, another corporate gig. Um, but I was, I, I definitely started asking myself, there's something more here. And, um, and, and I remember I attended uh, TEF, uh, the, the conference, mm -hmm. uh, TEF Talks back in 2009. And I remember there was a, an amazing scientist from Chile, uh, Cesar. And he was just coming up with these crazy ideas about how to use data to revolutionize uh, democracy and, you know, like TED style, like different ideas. So then I said, hey, I'm pretty sure I can come up with, a, with an idea. So I started a blog back then called Tourist Attitude, which is the, the state of mind that we have when we are traveling. And my hypothesis. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And the hypothesis was only like, hey, you know, when we travel, we're so full of joy. How about if we activate that state of mind in our regular day to day? So mm -hmm. I start writing about it, interviewing people on video, um, again, as a, my side project. And in less than a year, um, I start getting emails from all around the world world saying like, hey, thanks for your idea. I got a girlfriend. I got a new job. I am enjoying awesome. my city. And in that moment, uh, that's where it brings me to happy to be here, which is I thought mm -hmm. that uh, when humans prioritize their happiness, uh, cool things uh, in a really voluntary, in a very intentional side, cool things happen to them. So as an experiment of mm -hmm. tourist attitude, I 
I started asking people what makes them happy on post-it notes. And someone challenged me to collect 3,000 post-it notes and to build an art installation. So I did it in two weeks and I thought that that was a very fun um, thing to do. <laughs> so um, I ended up building a project called Happy Post Project back in 2011. And we ended up collecting 200,000 post-it notes with uh, messages of happiness and building art installations in Egypt, Kenya, uh, Boston, New York, and many different That's cities. That's so cool. <laughs> and when I was doing that, uh, I ended up meeting the advisor of the king of Bhutan. And Bhutan is a country that is between China and India. And they manage their economy based on the gross national happiness instead of the gross uh, GDP. And so by doing all of that, uh, I ended up building this happiness movement. So I quit my job and then I basically became a happiness activist. And that's what I did for five years. Um, one of my latest endeavors was to join a group of people that we together, we convinced 83 countries at the UN to create the International Day of Happiness. So since 2012, uh, March 20 has been the International Day of Happiness. So I've been, I was just advocating for the prioritization of happiness among governments, companies, and individuals. Mm -hmm. And that's how I ended up connecting with Jay Balvin in 2019, because he released his song Amarillo, uh, which means yellow, uh, on that day. And that's how I got connected with him and basically... Um, by, uh, by then, in 2019, I was already working on Coursera, like bringing education to Latin America. Latin America was my, my region. And, and in that moment, we start having conversations and then the pandemic happened and we saw like all this crazy impact on mental health. And right after that, with uh, Balvin, we, uh, we say like, hey, let's build a company to try to solve this problem. So that's the long story, long short story about how I ended up. It's an amazing it. story. And I think, you know, I love the word happy and so do you. And I think for me, it has been a act of revolution because I grew up in a family who cared for me very, very much, but who also didn't prioritize happiness, right? They prioritize, we have to make sure we're okay and we have to make sure we're healthy and we have to make sure that we're making ends meet. But happiness felt like such a luxury. It felt like something that was attainable by everyone else except for Latinos in my community, right? Or that happiness was so momentary that we didn't think it was something we could commit to long-term. So I felt for me, like even seeing what y'all are building at Oyo or seeing your bio and being like, wow, like that must have been such a revolution for you too, redefining what happiness meant and then showing other people like it is attainable and possible in your everyday life, not just when you're on vacation. Yes, absolutely. And and the interesting part is uh, I one of the paths that I took uh, to try to prove this was the scientific path. So my roommate back then was studying um, neuroscience at MIT. So we did an experiment with uh, mice. So you have the mice in a regular space um, and you could see their neurons were, you know, like acting in a very normal way. But once you place the mice in a very new space, the neurons were just kind of like going crazy. So for me, that was a revelation for my roommate. He was like, of course, you know, like this is kind of like the <laughs> first class that we take. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so he was explaining, explaining me that we humans have the prefrontal cortex in our brain. 
And um, mm -hmm. somehow when we are in a regular space, that kind of like um, call to adventure or the sense of wondering just shuts down. But when you're in a new place, the, it basically every, the, your prefrontal cortex acts in a very different way. So that's when you are more open to to do things such as, hey, Vivian, let's try this uh, Mexican restaurant at the like 45 minutes from your house, from where we are. And you're like, yes, let's do it. But if I ask you that in your, mm -hmm. at your regular place, you're like, no, man, you know, like not going to do that. So, yeah. So <laughs> that was uh, one approach. And the second one was with Dan Gilbert, which uh, he wrote uh, this book called Stumbling on Happiness. And he was sharing that after a big experiment that he did, he realized that uh, if you have like an X, you know, like X and Y. So uh, mm -hmm. he his theory was that uh, around like 87% of the time, uh, we humans, our minds are wandering. So um, every time that we are mind wandering, uh, which is either going on the past, thinking on your past or in your future, most of the time is negative mind wandering. So the more you the more time your mind wandering your level of happiness goes down the more time you're present your level of happiness goes up and his assumption was that um uh, when we are visiting new places we are really present so by being present mm -hmm. immediately our level of happiness goes up i feel like so much of what you have explained oye is especially with like embodiment and just feeling so present is like a proof of concept for what you just explained which is like the more we can get ourselves to be present in our mind and our bodies through our wellness and creativity the easier it will be to maintain a level of happiness that maybe didn't feel attainable beforehand yep Absolutely. And are just skills, right? So is emotional wellness is as well as happiness are skills that we can learn and we can relearn as well. And if you think about emotions, um, so just to give you one example, this morning I was uh, having breakfast with my mother. And mm -hmm. if I ask you, Vivian, how are you? The immediate answer will be, I'm okay, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I asked my mom, how are you? I'm okay. So then I pull out a Oye and uh, one of the one of our features is an emotional check-in, which helps you mm -hmm. to see the different emotions that are and so on. So um, so I asked my mom, okay, so tell me how you feel. And then she said like, oh, okay, maybe I feel frustrated. Uh, I feel a little bit of helpless and I feel uh, a, a bit lonely as well. So like, Okay, mother. So we press that and say like, okay, the the fact that you're feeling lonely that means that you're feel that uh, that you can work on this particular emotion. Um, and we ended up having like a really extended conversation. And she ended up like, oh, my mom is seventy years old, so she ended up like opening up. And we from like the regular question of like, how are you? Like, I'm okay. We ended up finding what are the things that were worrying her and how she felt and after that conversation we felt more connected with my mother so um so yeah I, there's a lot to things to learn and and i think there was a, a recent survey in the u.s where they asked how many emotions you identify to i think like five thousand people in the u.s and they said mm -hmm. happiness sadness and anger but there are more than 200 emotions. Oh my and gosh, a million, when we, yeah. Yeah, and we, when we don't know, we, we cannot place that on words, 
it's really hard to communicate. And if you cannot communicate or express how you feel, it's really hard mm-hmm. uh, for you that are uh, feeling that, but also for the people who mm-hmm. love you to understand how you feel and to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. That language is something that I've talked about a lot in relation to mental health, but specifically also grief and how when you lose someone, you you learn this whole new language by which you describe who they were in your life, who they're still in your life, even after their loss and how you explain that to someone else so that they can offer that same support, which is like exactly what you s- described. I'm also interested in how amazing it is that you were having that conversation with your mother and opening up with this different language around emotions to someone who belonged to a generation where there were no emotions, right? Like emotions were just not a thing that they were allowed to experience. Mm-hmm. How was that for you, right? And as someone who is, mm. I think, existing within the Latino, Latinx generation Z space, where like maybe they're a little bit more open to talk to their friends about those emotions, but talking to their grandparents or talking to their parents may feel incredibly hard because they don't feel like we're all speaking the same language. But you just gave an amazing example of how possible that is, which I think for me is like mind blowing, right? Yeah. No, it's um, it's really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Again, now when this episode that I am... <laughs> My mom just entered the room. <laughs> um, thanks, Grandma. She just brought me coffee. I love her. Um, That's so sweet. So, so with this episode that we're going now with my mom about my dad, uh, one of mm-hmm. the things that we have been learning with mom is, uh, of course, like mom and I way more connected, right? But mm-hmm. as you said, um, it's hard to communicate because, you know, like they come from different generations. So they are mm-hmm. uh, not wired to talk about emotions or to express their emotions because they want to feel tough, right? And mm-hmm. the more tougher you feel is uh, the better uh, member to your family you are. So it was, uh, it, it, so that example was really powerful for me, just kind of like to connect with my mother in a very different level. And, mm-hmm. and to see how open she was, because after having this conversation of the emotions, together with it, uh, one of the OYE practices called uh, body scan. Uh, and since, again, it's in Spanish and English, so we did the Spanish version, we did the body scan, which was a six mm-hmm. minutes practice. And it's basically to take you down from your mind to your body and to just feel how do you, mm-hmm. how, just to see how you feel. And... So we did together the practice and it was really fun. My mom and, my, and I just doing that <laughs> practice, you know, like kind of like in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. And, <laughs> and then she's like, well, yeah, I feel better. And thanks for helping me. And we hug each other and we keep learning. So uh, just, just for that conversation and for that hug, I mean, that basically means the world to me. And I really envision mm-hmm. that hopefully people can have more conversations like that one and real connection because yes, Vivian, you can, you and I can live maybe under the same roof, but uh, if we don't have that level of deepness and connection and just having like real conversations about how we feel, um, that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the opportunities that we're missing uh, or the opportunities that we're having to connect in real, 
in, in real meaningful ways. Uh, there is uh, Johan Harry, he wrote um, mm -hmm. Lost Connections, is one of my favorite books. And, you know, mm -hmm. like, because we have, like, this <laughs> cell phones, yeah. uh, our level of uh, distractions are ridiculous, right? Um, so mm -hmm. Adam Grant from Wharton, he called it uh, confetti time, which is, mm -hmm. yes, I can be having with Vivian a conversation, but, you know, like, message comes in and I lost it. So, again, for more spaces like that of deep connection among, like, how we feel and how we can together feel better, those are priceless. And I mean, you guys literally use the app to start that conversation because like you said, at first she was just like, I'm fine. But then when you have the visual representation of like, okay, but what are, what of all these feelings are you actually feeling? And what does this look like? And then guided to that six minute body scan practice. Like that's so cool. And that's magical. And I think that hopefully whoever's listening to this podcast just knows that like, it not only helps you connect with the community and intergenerationally, but it can also help you learn how to talk to yourself when you haven't been doing that, right? When that hasn't been your MO, it gives you a language and a tool by which to say, wait, how am I actually feeling? I do that on my Instagram every day. I post, I put a poll up every morning that's just like, how are you at one to five, six to 10? Or like, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling drained? Are you going slow? Are you going fast? And then sometimes I'll put a, a follow-up one in the evening, which is like, how's your day now? One to five, six to 10. And so many people reach out to me and they're like, I didn't realize my day actually got better. Or I didn't realize actually I'm really depleted. And it's that sense of self-awareness in a different way, which is like these daily check-ins because we're taught to check in with other people, but we're rarely taught to also check in with ourselves and value that connection. So it's really awesome that the app has these different touch points that people can use to like check in with themselves and other people at the same time yeah absolutely and 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 i commend you for what you're doing and for the level of vulnerability that you're having by sharing that on your instagram right um also um i think uh it's a uh, this it's kind of like a new language. And the funny thing is like, we all have those superpowers called emotions. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, Asian, Latinx, right? But very few people know how to communicate and listen to emotions. So uh, definitely is, I really commend you for that. And, uh, and, 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 and just, you brought me back just to my conversation with my mother this morning. And so I asked her at the end, so why do you think you, you, you say that you're fine when you're not really fine? And then she immediately said, oh, mijo, you know what? I, I, I don't like when people tell me pobrecita, you know, uh, like poor thing, because she hates that feeling. So, uh, so that helped me to understand like, oh, okay, you are uh, and, and, and the agreement between mom and I was like, hey, it's okay to, to share how you feel. That's an act of bravery. That's why I also commend you. But um, it's also very important for her to readdress the conversation. So when someone, it, it's really beautiful because just now, like someone called her, said like, ay, pobrecita. And my mom was like, no, not pobrecita. I'm feeling great and I'm feeling <laughs> awesome. You better just send me good mm -hmm. vibes and just good prayers. So my husband is going to get better. <laughs> but don't, please don't mm -hmm. feel pity about me. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, go mom. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like that generation, like, 
for all the things that they maybe don't know how to talk about or like the sad moments they don't know how to communicate really well. I do think that like even when I think about my grandmother who passed away, I think about how brave she was to like go through the world without her husband after he had passed away and like raise kids in America and be that first person and that matriarch. And that like anytime anyone else on the outside would see her, they would just see her as this like totem pole. Right. And so she had a really amazing way of just being strong. And I I was able to see her in moments of crying and deeper sadness. But I do think that that generation just knows how to, like you said, put the brave face on, but also how to be brave, like to move across countries, to navigate anything that is really big and emotional with such a stoic way um, is hard for anyone. And to do it in a space where maybe you don't feel like you can break down at the same time as you are being strong is like such a cool thing. So I commend your mom. And I also think it was so sweet. She brought you coffee during the podcast. And that was just like such a Latina mom thing to do. (laughs) And I love that. Yeah, I'm having coffee thanks to her right now. And I commend (laughs) your grandma too. Uh, I believe, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw uh, Encanto, the movie. But um, Mm -hmm. you remember like We Don't Talk About Bruno, which became like a really, really... I believe that comes from that particular place because we don't talk about Bruno, mm-hmm. right? We don't talk about the bad things. We don't talk about, um, you know, like the awful things. We just kind of like swallow that mm-hmm. and we just pretend that we're fine and uh, inside is, you know, like it's killing us. But, um, and that song was like, we don't talk about Bruno for me. Like, hmm, <laughs> there's a very Latino thing here. Um, oh, 100%. And, yeah. and that's what I feel like this whole conversation has been so wonderful because it really goes down to the fact that like Oye is what you all are building is such an important tool for the Latino community right because it gives me the opportunity even for me it'll give me the opportunity to have to reopen conversations around mental health with my family that I find hard to reopen even though I work in this space for like the last 10 years right like even then this is an actual tool that's catered to them that in other meditation apps or other wellness apps has felt really hard to share because they don't have the bilingual or bicultural context of their experiences in that. So I'm really excited to be able to share with people when this launches in September and kind of tell them more about what you all are building. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, and and yes, and actually, if you sign up before September 15, you will get one year for free Oye. So uh, you just go to oye.co and just uh, sign up and that will be like a one year. That's uh, uh, at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned the Latinx Heritage Month. So we really want to, we're building this for uh, Latinx, but not restricted to Latinx because as well as reggaeton, you know, like reggaeton right now is the same level of uh, hip hop. So, and there are so many amazing things coming from the Latinx world that uh, to the world. So, um Basically, that's what we want to do. You know, we want to create a big impact on the wellness world, but from Latinx to the world. Um, so, again, and and Jose, I mean, J Balvin, he's from Medellin. And if you think about Medellin, 90s, uh, and if you have seen Narcos, you know, like Medellin has a city that it was really known by drugs, uh, drug cartels, Narcos, and so on. And 20 years later, became one of the most creative cities. And, you know, like phenomenon, cultural phenomenon such as reggaeton, but also entrepreneurial world. Uh, the founder of Nubank is from Medellin. Jay Balvin is from Medellin. And you name it. So that's also what we're trying to capture at Oye. You know, like 
emotions into creative energy to transform your future self and your present self. And Medellin is a clear example of that. Balvin is a clear example of that. And many Latinx, uh, such as your grandma, is a great example of that mm -hmm. because, you know, like she was like, hey, I'm going to move to a different country. And she transformed like mm -hmm. all the energy into creative wellness. I and mean, now you're here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like if you think of like she was a generation where like feminism, mental health, all of these things just weren't real things for her. Um, she was born in 1928. So very, very wow. old school. And she passed when she was 85. But to me, she would always, her thing to me, even before she passed away, she passed away in 2014, was always like, you're going to go to school. You're going to have your own apartment. You're going to have your own car. You're going to do all these things because you're going to do it. And I was like, that's so empowering from a woman who like very much lived in a patriarchal world mm. and who didn't for herself live out the feminist dreams that I'm able to do just because she came here and gave me the chance. Um, But it is really cool, I think, to see how things can change one generation to the next and what that impact can have. Uh, and I love what you all are building. I love that you called him Jose instead of J Balvin for one second. That was really funny um, and very camaraderie-wise. But I do think it's like it's so impressive, regardless of anything. Like It's just so cool to see something like this coming up in the wellness space that speaks so intricately, like you said, to, to the Latino community first, but to everyone in general, because we all go through these kinds of things. And as we wrap up the conversation, let me know any last things you want people to know and listen to. And also any book recommendations, because you seem to have so many that I'll put a little list together of what people should be reading. Thank you. Uh, so, well, just final words. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, thank you uh, for having me in your podcast and for and for being part of the Oye community that basically we want to help the world to feel better from Latinx to the world. Um, as you mentioned, we are going to have our app available on iOS and Android by September 20th. So uh, if anybody sign up, uh, goes to oye.co, co as Colombia, uh, and sign up, basically you will get for one year for free Oye. Um, and we need help. We need help. We need all the feedback. Again, our name is Soye, we're just listening and, and we're just starting. So all the help uh, and that we can get is the best um, from our from downloading the app, but also in our Instagram, mm -hmm. like Oye Wellness and so on. Just send us your thoughts, send us your love, send us your cheer, <laughs> cheer up because we need a lot yes. of energy. Send us your prayers. Um, yeah, and, and in terms of books, um, I... Damn. I mean, I'm currently reading a book, but that's in Spanish. Um, mm -hmm. So now that I give me everything, we're we're a bilingual community over here. Yeah. So uh, okay. So I'm gonna like try to say it in in like two minutes. But mm -hmm. one mentor of mine told me that even pretty flowers grow from shit. So even you know, like the being happy, sometimes I mean, is is tough right so uh and it's a skill and we need to cultivate that and like going through these practices and stuff having a conversation with your mother about emotions that's not a walk in the park that's a tough conversation but once you do that have that conversation or go through that practice jesus man you feel like super empowered um so one example of even pretty flowers grow from shit uh is uh i'm currently reading this book from my hometown that Basically, nobody knows. It's only on my hometown, but mm -hmm. it's called La Carroza de Bolivar. And it 
this uh, it speaks about um, Bolivar, uh, Simon Bolivar. In most of Latin America, they believe that he's you know like the greatest. Here in my hometown, we hate him because he was the he created one of the, like the largest uh, genocides in my hometown two mm. hundred years ago. So. Um, so it is very interesting to me just kind of like to go deep into my mm-hmm. into my beliefs like the ones that I need to keep and honor from my ancestors and the ones that I need to upgrade so I have been finding things that are coming from 200 years ago uh that are that are causes and, and 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 right now I can see them reflected in my life 200 years later. So in this book called La Carroza de Bolívar, which was from like a, from a local writer, I've been learning about a lot about the history of my hometown. And I left my hometown 26 years ago, and now I'm just coming back in, with my dad situation, and I feel like I really need to learn about my roots. So my recommendation is try to find. A history book about wherever uh, is was your hometown or your grandma's hometown, and just learn about that history because learning that uh, it will give you so much clarity about yourself. Yeah, that's so helpful. I actually just read um, "It Didn't Start with You." Who I forget the name of the author, but he's a yeah. researcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a good book, and it really talks about how intergenerational trauma can be dated back three or four generations as to what they experience and what you're experiencing now. Um, So I think that's a really good pairing to what you just suggested. But also, um, my family's from Ecuador, so I heard a lot about Bolivar kind of growing up. And so that just kind of trickled my my consciousness of like, I should learn a little bit more about like what Uh. it actually meant in Ecuador and what my grandmother would always be talking about. Um, My last question to you is, what's making you happy to be here today? Um, I believe, uh, there is kind of like, uh, this awakening, um, called unconscious and Mm -hmm. people such as you with your podcast and other, you know, like, uh, other organizations and just by seeing like people that are addressing and placing your energy and your interest on this is really special to me. Uh, again, <clears throat> I believe I'm just part of a group of people that are trying their best to pay attention to this call of awakeness. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that uh, like based on the books that you're reading and the knowledge that you have about your grandma and the stories that you're sharing that this podcast uh, that can be a platform for more people like me just to share anything that we're doing around these topics is really powerful for me. Um, it just feels, you know, like it's part of my tribe. So very happy to mm-hmm. to meet a fellow <laughs> a fellow activist. <laughs> no, thank you. I know when I got the email and just like learning more about you, I was like, wow, like he describes himself with the word happy so much. And that is exactly what I tried to embody too. So it felt really, really nice. Thank you so much for being on here, Mario. As a reminder, you can sign up for a free one-year subscription of Oye right now. Share it with your friends too. You can read through our show notes on vivnunez.com. And if you can, rate, review, or share Happy to Be Here with a Friend. It goes a long way as we continue to build up the community. I'll catch you next Thursday with a new conversation.